everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Knoll Sports Podcast. Again, we are back, and we're rolling once again. My name is Jack Williams, here with... I'm Matt Kassim. Yeah. Today is Thursday, April 27th, and it is draft day for the NFL. My favorite tradition on draft day, watching draft day. Kevin Costner. Yes, that's it. You and our new prep sports, sports reporter, Liam, have emphasized to me all the draft day jokes, and I've not seen draft day, so I cannot relate back to anything. I guess why, it's, did, why didn't anyone go to this party, Jack? I guess, that I, I, again, I do not understand the joke, <laughs> but I guess that's something I'm going to have to turn on tonight. But yeah, I know draft day's going on. Um, I know there's you know a few guys that are in the you know, looks right now. One guy that you know, Essen has a little bit to say on... Um, going uh a little bit later but yeah feel free to talk a little bit more on that yeah so well, i'll start off with the draft as you mentioned today um florida state i think we talked about this at pro day this is gonna be a light class there's a yeah. few players that could probably be undrafted free agents but for the most part jamie robinson safe former safety who had a monster cheese it bowl game recorded a bunch of tackles had a, was everywhere i think he had a sack a forced fumble and a fumble recovery he was a beast um he on um, January first, New Year's Day, he decided that he was going to go pro, and it looks like from the mock draft I looked at earlier, he's going to go anywhere between the third round to the sixth round. I saw anywhere from there, so it's going to be interesting to see where he lands. Because as I was talking to someone earlier, I do think he is a impact NFL player, um, but I think the main thing with him is I don't think there's much room for growth. I think who he is is who he's going to be in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, and you got to see him at pro day, so. Um, what are your thoughts on what you saw? No, yeah, he definitely jetted out a little bit more than the other guys. Like Essence said, too, it was a very small class out there as well. Um, you know, Pro Day is always chaotic. Um, it's The funny thing is there's all these people inside the indoor practice facility all around and watching and stuff like that. But then when you kind of step back, you're like, oh, there's only a few guys here and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, Jimmy Robinson really, you know, stepped out a little bit more. You know, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands and stuff like that. Um Again, as Essen, I know I've just said this like three times already, but Essen mentioned, you know, the sparsity of this class. You've got to think about, you know, what might happen next year when we're talking about Pro Day as well and the class that's going to come into that, how much depth there's going to be. And you can kind of think about it too, is that can kind of signify kind of the turning of tides that's happening here at Florida State right now. You know, you talk about all the hype that's coming this season, you know, that's going to come transferring into maybe a larger, you know, draft class next year. So this year, a little bit smaller, but I mean, you know, it kind of makes you excited looking forward for, you know, what's to come as well. Yeah. I mean, um, Jared Verse could have been a first-round pick this year, probably. Decided to come back. Fabian Lovett, well, probably a mid-round pick. Jordan Travis, probably a mid-round pick. Johnny Wilson could easily be a top three-round pick. Um, Trey Benson probably is one of the best um, running backs in the draft class next year. Mm. Lawrence Philly with his ca- pass-catching ability could make a dent. Micah Pittman, I'm not, is probably an NFL caliber player. So the list goes on and on. There's some options, you know. Um, look at Braden Fisk, who transferred in. Some of the other offensive linemen. There's some options that could be NFL players next year. So the NFL combine this year, where it was like, you know, it didn't seem like there was a ton of scouts there. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But there's probably going to be more teams there. And just alone, based on, like, you know, Jordan Travis is there, even if he's a sixth round pick, people are going to come watch a quarterback because people want to see the backup quarterback, as we've seen in NFL matters as well. Right. So that's a very important. And I think that's what more than likely Jordan Travis is probably headed for an NFL career, but. Who knows? Who knows? He's yeah. out outplayed expectations at Florida State already. So <laughs> No, it'll be interesting to see, like you said, too, even with just himself, you know, people are gonna want to come out and stuff. And the college career that he's had at Florida State is definitely going to bring scouts and, you know, whoever out next year to go watch him at Pro Day and stuff like that. But like you said, I mean, 
you know, his name could get called anytime either in the draft or even if he does make it into a team, his name could get called up randomly even if he is a backup or, you know, whatever that team situation might be. So it'll be exciting to see what happens going on forward. Talk Definitely. About the draft. Yeah, and, um, you know, just touching up on um, Robinson again, he um, going into the draft, I thought he had more promise. Um, in the combine, he measured at 5'10", Five and a half, eight, five and eight inches. You know, we got to give him those five and eight inches. Um, <laughs> on the bump, yeah. 191 pounds. He had 29 and five eight inch hands and eight and three quarter um, arm, I'm sorry, inch arms and eight and three quarter inch hands. Um, his 40 time was 4.59. I think um, that ranked 13 out of 19 out of safety. So I think that kind of slid him down a little bit. Yeah. Um, as he mentioned in his pro day press conference, um, pre pro day, he said that he believes. His game tape tells a better story of how fast he runs. He said he's more four threes in game speed. So I think he's going to be a player that's going to surprise some people because I think he's a better player than he is a workout individual. Right. I mean, and that's, you know, that's a big thing with a lot of people, I think, and stuff like that is, um, you know, the, again, we can, I know we've brought this up so many times with Alan Iverson quote that we've been going back to so much lately. They talk about practice, practice. you know, um, you know, it's where it's in the game that matters and stuff like that. I mean, if he's, you know, if he's selling himself off as a game player and stuff like that, hopefully the tape will show that he, um, you know, he's the, he's the player he's talking about for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, it's a draft. Anything could happen going forward. Yeah. And, um, I'll throw some names out there. Dylan Gibbons, offensive lineman. I think he could be someone that's probably be a undrafted free agent. Cameron McDonald might have a chance to crack a roster. Wyatt Rector, I think of all the players, he started his um, quarterback uh, his career as a quarterback at Florida State and moved to tight end. And um, I think he's gonna be someone that's and he contributed a lot over in special teams. So I think that's what his future in the NFL is. He's someone that's gonna be out there doing that. Um, Ontario Wilson probably with his speed has a chance of cracking a roster. Um, same with Robert Cooper. I just don't know if any of those guys are actually going to make a huge impact in the NFL, mm. or and I don't see them getting drafted. If they do, good for them. Like you know, that's probably a team in the seventh round to be like, I don't want to get into a bidding war with someone else for this player, so let me go ahead and sign him. Right. So I think we'll see the draft conclude Saturday, which is when I'm like I think it's gonna be day three for rounds four through seven or day three. I think that's more likely when we see. Um, um, Jamie Robinson come off the board. He could come off day two on Saturday, on Friday. It could be interesting, but I think more than likely he gets drafted Saturday. And we could also see Isaiah Land for FAMU, who is probably um, looking up would be the first player since 2013, I believe, to be drafted. I mean, it's 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 been a second. I know. For sure, but I um, know that's a big deal over at FAMU. I know um, our uh, FAMU writer, Gerald Thomas, um, has been talking a lot about Isaiah Land and um, what he's capable of. And he's been a big name out here in Tallahassee, just the football space as well. Um, and he's done a lot over there at FAMU. He's really played a major key role to, you know, what Willie Simmons has done in bringing up the program and, you know, getting them to that FCS uh, college uh, playoff game, not this past season, but the one before that. But um, no, he's he's expected to make an impact as well when we're talking about you know Tallahassee space football. So it'll be interesting to see where he lands. And um, good to do a shameless plug for Gerald Thomas's story. Actually, he had a good story. NFL Rattler share experience, offer advice to family football draft hopefuls. It's a really good story. Mm-hmm. He did a great job on that. If you guys get a chance to check it out, also on the website we have the the mock drafts. We have um, which we'll get into after, in a little bit, but. Um, Softball coverage, baseball coverage, got some good stories coming out for that. Mm. But um, yesterday, Florida, Florida State softball. Mm. Um, actually, next week is Florida State, Florida softball, Florida, Florida State week because you got the baseball game in Jacksonville and then the softball game in um, 
Janesville. Yes. That's a city. Yes. <laughs> That's a city. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, it, this game is the game every year. I, I think tickets for this sold out, you know. I don't even I think when tickets went on sale for the softball team, tickets sold out for this game. This is the game to go to every year and I mean, this is the rivalry as a lot of people know. Miami does not have a softball team, so um this is the rivalry for um these two and stuff like that. Cuz there is State. UCF and USF as um Lonnie talked about yesterday, right. but it's UCF and USF. Like it's not the Miami Florida field. It's not the. It Florida, doesn't have Florida the traditional State. field. Yeah, and there's so much history to this and stuff like that. And I mean, I, I mean, Florida State's dominated this rivalry. Picked up the fourth straight win in the Sunshine State Showdown, five to three. Um, I think it's tied for the most like longest streak. It's against, actually the second longest. Second longest, yes. Five in a row between 2000 and 2002 was what? Okay, so, last night. so they have a chance to tie it next week. Yeah. Yes. So, um, I mean, it was the third largest crowd, I believe, at um, you, um, the stadium. Uh, I believe that number is 1,836, third largest program history. And I mean, it was it was just an entertaining game, start to finish. I knew they wanted to throw, um, you know, McKenna Reed out there, the freshman. A pitcher and Lonnie, second career start. Second career start, and Lonnie explained that they wanted to do that to give her that feel of what it's like to play in that competitive environment. I mean, um, Lonnie did mention too that there were you could tell that there were some jitters here and there, and you know she was you know getting a little nervous and stuff like that. And her teammates were telling her like, okay, just take it in, take a deep breath, like enjoy it in the moment and stuff like that. I mean, Essence story, you know, talks a little bit more about what that environment was like and just. You know, hours before the game, there's lines, you know, quite literally wrapping around the entire stadium. Um, you know, you go over to the ticket box and it says sold out on the ticket box. You know, this place was packed and it was, I mean, the outfielders were talking about how they couldn't even hear each other because it was so loud there. And, um, you know, the explosive environment about this, I mean, we could go back and talk about the game in a second. But, you know, Essen, you know, talk about the environment of this game and, you know, how fans have really uh, showed out in this matchup. You know, I guess how important... And how big was the environment last night? Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned to you, I got there an hour before the game. People were lined up behind the $1 million scoreboard, like be, wrapped around. They were going all the way back there. It was crazy. I had not seen anything like that for a softball game because I've been there plenty of times early. Gates open and people were pouring in. Uh, and it was not just garden and gold. We saw lots of lots of blue and oh, orange. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was fun. It was, And it was like um, one thing Lonnie said and. I did notice that with the fan bases. It was a respect, respectful on both sides. There was not like, you know, there was probably some friendly trash talking, but we didn't hear any of that. And uh, as media, we sent the party deck. What, right. we, what, we, what we've nicknamed is the party deck. <laughs> um, we had to sit down there. And so we're sitting among the fans. And it was so much fun. It was a fun environment. People are, you know, we're just, it's, and, you know, Joe and Graffield is pretty loud all the time, but that was just another feeling. Um, I talked to Jeff Colain, the um, voice of Seminoles football and men's basketball. They, um, him and Aria called the game, and um, he said he got there two hours before. He said really? fans are lining up before then. Like, it was a long, long line already. Wow. So for a softball game, you have people lining up two hours, three hours early. It's amazing. That tells you the growth of softball, which, um, you know, um, Lonnie talked about yesterday is because of her, um, you know, Tim Walton, USF coach UCF, and how much resources they've poured in. And you know, like you mentioned earlier, Miami doesn't have a softball program. Right, it doesn't. So that's one of the three major universities in Florida not having a softball program, but softball is still growing and thriving in the state. Mm, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you talk about UCF and USF as well. While they are in the moment, I mean, one of them in the moment right now is an American uh, athletic program. I mean, I think it's, it, I don't know if it's just for football. Is there all their athletic programs that will be moving up to the Big 12? I believe so. Okay, I mean, 
UCF is going to be playing Oklahoma. No, we'll, we'll see what happens with the SEC and breakdown and stuff like well, that. Well, they get Oklahoma for one year, I guess. Next they'll, year. They'll get Oklahoma for one year. So UCF will be – I mean, they're a great program right now. I mean, they, they went over to the College World Series. Well, like they got into tournament competition last year. And, I mean, they're a solid program out there. I mean, we just had a girl from Charles High School out here in Tallahassee commit to USF, and she's there now. Um there's some great softball in this state. Um, I know growing up north, they always talked about the SEC and ACC. And Lonnie mentioned, too, that you know the ACC is beginning to close that gap on the SEC right now. Notably so. I mean, you talk about Clemson this year. You talk about Florida State. Um, you know They're going to see Notre Dame down the road. That's going to be a good series as well. Um, but there's a lot of great softball in the state. And the great thing that, you know, as I mentioned, is they all respect each other. Respect was a big thing. I mean, we didn't really hear any jeering we didn't really hear any like we didn't hear anything nasty and that you know it's that's crazy to say when we're talking about a fsu uf game it's almost unheard of but it was so respectful you know obviously cheer when your team scores get excited when your team scores um you know lonnie mentioned one of the players you know came out of the K-Dak. dugout kdak came out of the dugout and was quite literally jumping in front of everyone and they're like okay you come back in here, take it easy, and stuff like that. I mean, it was a passion in the moment, but there was so much respect for each other. And Lonnie did mention that's an important part of growing the game. They want to grow the game. They want this rivalry not to – they want it to be fun, obviously. They want to win, but they want to use it to grow the game. And they've mentioned they've and used it. that is like, you know, showing the players, the young girls in the crowd, look, this is respectable softball. This is playing, you know, the way that Lonnie wants to play it. Right. You know? But, yeah, I mean, um, two people in attendance, Joanne Graff herself – Oh yeah, showed her on a big screen. She got a large, loud applause. Of course, she was upset. Um, you know, Mike Norvell's applause was a little bit louder. <laughs> Him and his wife and his daughter, who lo- um, his daughter is a huge FSU um, softball fan, it, um, got the louder ovation. But it was fun to see. Um, you know, Norvell out there supporting um, that's you know softball as well. But yeah, I mean, um, and like we mentioned, Katie Dak got be at home plate after the three run inning. Katie Dak, man. How can you? How close can you come to a home run twice in one game? Oh man! And not get it. Oh man! In one at bat, in fact. I mean, you can watch how she, you know, she took a shot out to that foul pole, and everyone was like, "I mean, I don't know if there's any. I don't know if there's any wind going. Maybe I can't remember the environment at the time, but it just squeaked foul." And so, sure enough, she comes back up, and you see the ball flying out to about center field. And I could have sworn it was less than a foot from going over that wall. It went off the top of the it wall. It went right off the top of the wall. She doubled either way. But, I mean, um, I mean, it would have been – I mean, the fact that she could have sent it over the wall twice, and either way she didn't end up with a home run. But, I mean, she – you know, it was the biggest play of the night, too. Um, but, I mean, that – it just added to the rivalry sense as well. Um, early in the game, it was kind of a, a response to what UF did earlier, and they hit um, a home run to take the lead as well. And, I mean, it was just an entertaining game all around. Um, it, it's like this with any time FSU and UF showdown. It doesn't really matter what their records are. It's it's competitive. I it's exciting. It, I think it was interesting. Josie Muffley, um, fifth, uh, redshirt senior, mentioned, you know, um, in that last inning, she kind of took a step back and was tearing up a little bit because just the environment. She loved it. It was. She said it was so electric. She said she's going to miss that. So that was kind of cool to see, you know, that a player was appreciative of, in the moment, could appreciate in the moment, while also still getting back and playing the game and finishing the game off because... It was a two-run game. It was a close game. It was a back-and-forth game. It was a fun game. Catherine Sandercock is, is really good. I, <laughs> to say the least, I mean, yeah, I mean, the pitching in this game, too. I mean, they let it was it was funny because um, they kind of let McKenna get into the game. McKenna Reed, they kind of let her got in. They're like, okay, 
let's have her feel it out. Let's get a rhythm. And I'm like, okay, McKenna's done. And then you, all of a sudden you see Ellie uh, du, Dubois walking up and um, it strikes out three of five batters she faced. And then I we were talking to our friend, um, uh, the, our fellow reporter at the Gainesville Sun, um, and uh, – uh, Florida was down in the game at the time, and then you see uh, Allie start walking to the dugout. All of a sudden, uh, Catherine Sandercox is coming out, and Ainsley's like, "Oh, yep, we're done." And <laughs> and um, I mean, she walks out, and she just—I think she said she picked up the save at the end too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, she just came out and dominated as well. I mean, the pitching unit for this team is just impressive. I mean, I, um, Skyler Wallace came into that game. You know, former Alabama player mm-hmm. has been a star at Florida. Leadoff hitter was hitting in the four forties. She went one for four. Mm. Impressive by the pitching staff to keep her off because she walked. I think she might have been over three. Actually, she might have walked in her first at bat and scored that run in the first inning. So she was one for three. Uh, over three. Mm. I mean, when the pitching is on for FSU, the but I mean, uh, I mean, when the pitching is on for FSU, the pitching is on for FSU, and it's become such a constant that they can you just base everything off of as well. And I mean, we can't exclude the hitting too. I mean. I mean, Enfield, the way she hits this year and stuff like that. I mean, the way... Muffley had the game, the big two-run single. Muffley, I mean, it's... it's All of it's really impressive, and they're really playing the right softball at the right time. Um, Lonnie mentioned, you know, they're finally starting to play team ball. And, I mean, going into this road series against Notre Dame after a midweek game against a rival, I mean, that's huge to pick up this momentum. And, I mean... I, th- I think they're three games ahead right now in first place. Three or two games ahead right like now. Two in the win column, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it gets hard when they don't play the same amount of games. Right, right, right. It gets really weird. Come when, on, guys. When you get down to all that math and stuff like that. But I mean, I'm and it's going to be competitive stretch for them figuring out going to the end. I mean, you have Notre Dame, you get Florida again, um, and then I think they believe they close out against Louisville, yep. um, which yep. is not a bad squad either. No, it's another team that's you know the ACC's improved. So Florida State still has its work cut out to clinch the ACC, mm-hmm. and they still have their work cut out. They still got a lot to do, and then you know, they're not just playing for ACC, the ACC champ, regular season championship, ACC tournament championship. Sure, they mm-hmm. want that. They you take all the trophies you can get, but Florida State's playing for the World Series. You know that's oh, their main goal. So we'll they see are. what happens. Um, so let's switch it up. Let's go to baseball next. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Link Jarrett. He's at home. He well, is. not home. I mean, he's from Tallahassee. Yeah. <laughs> but he um, he was – when Florida State hired him last year, they took him from Notre Dame where he had lots of success, Was um, got them to their first um, back-to-back regionals and the College World Series baseball – College World Series – you know what I mean. Yeah, College World Series, yes. <laughs> so for the third time in program history. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see. He mentioned, you know, we had a Zoom call with him earlier today. He mentioned it's going to be uh, unique for him. So, were you Dutch, Jack? Yeah, I mean, um, as someone who uh, you know went to school in Indiana for a, a bit, um, I mean, go. It's kind of nice at the same time. Yeah, it's very tropical down here. As we're talking right now, I mentioned tropical. It's been raining all day, um, pretty nastily too, if that's a word. But it's been. It's but uh, I mean, so I like at the same time. Yes, it's it's gonna be kind of you know meh going back up into the cold weather. But I mean, it's a nice hearty feeling going home. You know, Link did talk about it will be unique to walk onto that field. Um, you know, um, that. Um, he redid the turf on that field. That he redid the bullpens. Basically, everything on that field that is there now, he's a part of it. It's kind of like that. There's a part of him still there at Notre Dame, and it's going to be there for a while. I mean, if everything um, is new there, um, you know, walking back after um, you've been there for a while, and you're kind of taking in, um, you know, what actually everything looks like now in a different perspective. It's going to be unique for him, and you know, it's hard to wrap your brain around something like that. I mean, it's like. 
It's like coming back to – it's like moving away from your house and then coming back to it when you're living somewhere completely exactly. different. So it's going to be really cool. I mean he's done so much building there. Um, you know, the, the recruiting, the roster build. I mean all of it uh, – he led Notre Dame to back-to-back Super Regionals for the first time in program history in the College World Series. Just their third appearance in program history. He's done a lot there. I mean, and, you know, he's – it's going to it, – I completely understand his perspective of it's going to be unique because, again, it's going to be like – to say something a little cliche about the house that Link built. <laughs> but, I mean, I and it's – I mean, there's been people before him and stuff like coaches – many coaches before him and stuff like that. But, I mean, it will be kind of strange, be like that too. But, I mean, at the same time too, I mean, the fans should you know, also embrace him too coming back. And it will be cool for him to get back there. Because I think uh, the players – like, I think everyone understood when he left Notre Dame, like – he went to Florida State. Right. He was a star player here. He got to College World Series here. So it's this is home. So it, it made all the sense in the world. The Florida State job comes open, you're going home. Right. You know, regardless of same conference, I think people respect that. So it's, I think it's be respectful, like you know, for what he brought in and what he did over there, because Notre Dame historically has not been a very good baseball program. Mm-hmm. So Link built that up. So it's gonna be interesting to see that. He mentioned there's 11 grad transfers on the roster right now. Oh. So he helped get those players. He recruited the entire roster. He said it's going to be one of the easiest scouting games he's ever had in his career because he knows these players intimately because he worked hard to bring them in mm-hmm. or you know coach them up or whatever. Mm-hmm. He knows these, this roster intimately, so it's going to be interesting, you know? Uh, and, you know, talking about the way you know, the season has gone for Florida State as well, you know, it's not been ideal, but I mean – Hey, I mean, with this much inside knowledge on Notre Dame and knowing what's going on, um, I know it's going to be a little bit harder of a game. You know, the, you know, Tallahassee to South Bend is a true road game, but um, it will be interesting. Maybe you have enough intel, you know, could possibly pick up a series win as well. Um, but yeah, this game, uh, you know, you have the Friday game. You guys can catch that on ACC Network Extra. The Saturday game will be on ACC Network, and then the Sunday game will be on ESPN too. So we slowly work our way up the ESPN <laughs> Total Network <pull>. chain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, FSU is currently fourteen twenty-five. Uh, they're five and sixteen ACC play. Um, you know, they had the chance. Um, well, not really. Didn't have the chance because of weather. Um, you know, they were supposed to play Stetson. Weather? Yeah, weather. Again, it's, it's downpouring out here. They played um, – yeah, they were supposed to play Stetson earlier this week, but got rained out. So um, Really don't – only to this week it has not rained out here has been um, when FSU um, – UF softball. Right, right. The rain <laughs> held. And even then I think you could see the lightning in the distance right as the game was over. Um, Notre Dame's having a really good season. Um, you know, when we're talking about uh, you know, their perspective, they're 23-16, and 11-10 and 10, uh, in the ACC right now. So I know they're start trying to get a little over you know, that 500 hump right now. So I mean it's a big game for everybody in a way. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, they're trying to stay above 500. <laughs> this is FSU's best shot to win some ACC games and get themselves back. In, like the top 12 teams out of the 14-team league made the ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. So Florida State has some work to get back into contention. But um, their pitching has, staff has been on and off struggling lately, but the Irish are hitting 242 as a team, which is the worst mark in the ACC. <laughs> And um, they have no hitters hitting over 300. Mm. They're dead last in hits and run scored. So this could be a chance for you, um, FSU pitchers. Um, Jackson Bumeister is st- going to start Friday. Got um, Carson Whitaker Saturday. And then it'll be probably a bullpen game with maybe Carson Montgomery starting um, and then pitching. Like, you know, so we'll see how it looks on S- Sunday. Probably depends on what happens the first two games, mm-hmm. really, to see who's available and with all that. But this is a good chance for Florida State pitching to get find its footing because then it doesn't get any easier i think they have um florida on tuesday in jacksonville so that's really another game you know their third meeting of the year right this game was moved back from early like i think 
April-ish when there was a lot of bad weather. And weather. Again. Yeah, my gosh. Oh Rain my in God. Florida. Who yeah. thought that goes together? Oh, my gosh, yeah. But, um, so, then they get Mercer. They get number two, Wake Forest, or the nickname the Wake Forest. <laughs> and then Louisville to close the season. So, this is not getting easier. Notre Dame is, like we mentioned, above 500, 23-16. Respectable record, 11-10. and 10. Yeah, pretty so average, yeah. They're above a- average to above average. So it's not an easy series for Florida State, but they got to take advantage of their schedule to get themselves back into with the chance because right now they are three wins behind um, Nancy State, Louisville, Pittsburgh, and Georgia Tech in the ACC with um, wins behind them. So losses, it's a few more. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be a very photo finish for them to have a chance to get back. So, if, yeah, they're able to take advantage of this series. That will be huge. Mm. Awesome. And... Um, well, last thing we we'll talk about today is Jack. Um, you have a you're working on a project. This is more so for um, you know um, the high school level, but I think I think more people will be interested because it's gonna be a f- fun little project you guys are working on. Yeah, me and uh, Liam are toying with our sanity this past week. Um, we decided to do a uh, 64 player, 64, 63 player mock draft uh, based on high school players in our area. Um, we cover about 20 different schools across the Big Bend and the Tallahassee area. Um, and me and Liam have spent the last two days, um, you know, building a draft as like, you know, what teams would look for, except you don't have access to high school players. They would only have access to the high, um, I'm sorry. They don't have access to the college players. They have access to the high school players. Yes. So, um, for instance, like, um, the, like Carolina, um, they have, they have the number one pick this year, um, and they're looking for a quarterback. Well, one of our – well, let's first say they're looking for a quarterback in our situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but our number one pick right now is forecasted to be a quarterback from one of the local schools. So that's kind of how it's working out here. Um, we're creating – um, you know, we're creating a story, obviously, for that that will run on Saturday alongside a live stream that we're doing on uh, TLH Big Ben Preps on Instagram. Um, we're creating all different cards, you know, to show where what teams these kids are going to be drafted by and stuff like that. It's going to be a lot of fun. It will be interesting to test out, um, you know, preps and all journalism just in general. is kind of testing out what works and stuff like that and being creative. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But, yeah, we, me and Liam have been going a little crazy putting this together. But we're almost done. Um I'm going to pull up the document and see where he's at and filling out the little blurbs for everyone. He is up to number 15. He has to get to 31, so he is almost there. Halfway there. Almost halfway and there. He, Thank you, Dolphins, for forfeiting your pick. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but Cheating works. Just kidding, guys. Don't listen to that. I think he sees I'm in the file because he started writing again. But um, I'll have to check on him because he stopped writing. Anyway, <laughs> look out for that. It's been a lot of fun and should be pretty interesting, too. Other than that, thank you guys for tuning in again, and um, you can find Jack Williams at uh, at Jack G Williams on Twitter. Um, yeah, that's probably the best way to reach me. <laughs> and you can find me on um, Essen underscore Kassim on t- on Twitter, um, and you can follow our coverage on Facebook No Sports and Instagram T T L H No Sports. And thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you again next week. Yeah, see ya.